I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything, yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's, it's so real to this day. I, I I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? (laughs) We did it guys. One that came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Hello, my name is Demetrius. This is Jason. Good morning. And you are listening to Spaces Podcast Express. Thank you for coming back, everybody. Jason, uh, on the heels of what we were just uh, talking about in our previous Express episode about project scheduling, just uh, some insight into how our industry works. So I I do some consulting work for other architects occasionally with all the free time that I have. Yes, lots of free time. (laughs) And, uh, And this particular project that I have is getting a lot of pressure from the developer. To, okay. to move this along they are concerned about timing for whatever reason so that's their thing so they're pushing to move this thing as quickly as possible okay and i come in as the person that's going to put the construction documents together okay. and you get to a certain point where you put the drawings together and it's a certain level where the expectation is that you know, there's no more change. There's no more big changes. There'll be small things, move the door or window a couple inches here and there, just Side minor things. things. Yeah. yeah. But generally the, the design is dialed in and that's kind of what you uh, are going to proceed with. And you will get a few comments to that level that, that set that you send out yep. of just like making sure that you understand what the design intent is cleaning up a few things. So that's fine. Yep. But uh, so I send out the drawings at this level and I think that was on the 11th and then I got those comments on the 20th and then I get a notice on the 27th that there's an additional elevation being added. It's like, okay, (laughs) 
And then I get more comments to that first set uh, on the 30th, three days later. And then I get more red lines on Dude. the fourth. Uh, and then I get comments from the... So this is now beyond just the, the architect comments. Then I'm getting comments from the developer on the seventh. Is this like the first time these guys have ever done a project? <laughs> Actually, no. And then and then I get structural stuff on the eleventh, and then I get uh, additional structural stuff. Yeah, structural coordination items, which yeah, is fine. That's fairly normal. And then uh, on the twelfth, I get additional red lines from not just the developer, but an interior designer who they Uh-oh. work with. So it's like. Another person uh, who's who's throwing in their their opinions, and then another round. I was supposed to be done, uh, but I get another round yesterday of so how more does, changes. Like how, who how, who wait, how do you hang chart? On. Okay, wait. So so I get these last who are still the project is still in design review with the city. So so the city is now giving comments all because the developer wants to move quickly. Uh, we're trying to move all of this forward while there's still comments coming in from all these different places. So now I'm like backtracking and, and this is where errors happen is. Well, errors happen. And like the other thing I was going to say too, like how, how is your fee schedule structured? Like, do you still have half of it or something coming? Or is it like one of those things where you start holding it hostage now and be like, yo, I'm putting in <laughs> twice the amount of work because you idiots can't get your together yeah like you know what i mean like we need to agree on something here before i sign off on stuff you know because that's a total abuse like that's insane yeah so there's milestones that i get chunks of the payment issue the original payment but i do have uh the ability to charge for additional changes that are beyond you know without uh beyond reason of you know what what you would typically expect well that's beyond reason yeah (laughs) so like so like big design changes i can ask for more to cover my time on that but like you mentioned like it's not about the money (laughs) no because because it just eats up so much more of your time and into whatever you had planned next it's like it just completely screws well, up. Like, that, like you said, like on your side, there's the pay that goes along with it. But the other part when it's like they're trying to slam a project through and it's like change, 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 change. You know, that's going to lead to all sorts of stuff on site later. Like when you talk oh, about yeah. like budget busters, like this is what happens when you don't have a coordinated plan going in and you start just like changing the hell out of everything like quickly. Yeah. You're not there's no way for you to have gotten all the right parties involved to be able to do so. Like there's no way. And so, you know, things are going to get missed like hundred percent. So the funny thing is like the developer in their mind, they think, and, and I can see this line of thinking that you feel like you're moving everything at the same time, but in reality, you're creating more friction and on the back end, it's going to be a nightmare. I just know there's going to be something. There's going to be questions. There's going to be, why did this change? Because everything is happening so quickly coming from five different directions. It's just inevitable. And don't take this the wrong way. But th- then you also start to get fatigue. Like every time you see whoever this is sending this email, you're just like, fuck. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so you, so you already, because of how it's being managed, you don't have the right mindset going into whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Not that you're going to do anything, you know, haphazard, but it's like, but, but that's real. 
You yeah. know what I mean? Like that's 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 reality and project exhaustion dude, that we yeah, talked exactly. about that's before. You use. Yeah, yeah. Like I call it fatigue because I know it because I have some of these guys that I deal with, and I'm just like, I get an email, I'm like, I don't want to deal with you. And so my <laughs> mindset is totally wrong going yeah. into this. And and I I wouldn't I wouldn't lie if when I'm doing a response or pricing something out or whatever, if that doesn't feed into it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's just, you know, it goes back to what we talked about before is having the right plan of action prior and getting yeah. an interior designer if you're like i love interior designers i know a lot of them and they're really great at what they do but stay out of the building like you know what i mean like certain <laughs> things like there's a reason why there's architects and architects are designers and all this kind of stuff and i'm not saying people can't add to things positively but know, know your boundary like just mm. know your boundary you know well i don't want to get into that one i, th- I think they're they're a valuable asset uh but bring them in earlier right. so that there's, and you know, all of that input is streamlined. Right. But let's get into, I want to spend a few minutes on uh, what we actually came to talk oh, about, okay. which was uh, the complexity of buildings and our industry, really. We were talking offline about the way that buildings, I, I've seen a few people share this of old drawings that they've found for massive buildings. And there's like, 10 sheets of paper and this is back when they were hand drawing things so the motivation was there that you didn't have to redraw a bunch of stuff if something changed but it was like 10 sheets of drawings and you relied on the people in the field to use their best judgment um, to use their craft and their understanding of how things go to to figure it out as well as the designer would be there to give their input but you kind of figured out a lot of it in the field. Yep. I mean, we weren't there, right? Like, let's be let's yeah. be honest. You and I weren't around when they were doing it that way. But yeah. the funny thing is, like, when you look at stuff like that, even I, I got a set of the blueprints for, for our home that was built in the 50s, like early 50s or late 40s or whatever. It's like nothing. I kind of laughed. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it was all hand-drawn stuff, that old blue, you know, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a copy of that, obviously. And um, super simplistic. I'm telling you though, that house is built like a brick house. Like it is, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the, the old houses, the way that they were built, like they're, they're usually just fine, like, and still standing. And sometimes I would tell you, I feel safer in those ones because the people that were building them at the time really paid attention to what they were doing. You know what I mean? And I do and cared about what they cared, were doing. It was a craftsmanship quality that we don't have anymore. And I think in a lot of ways, you know, we've talked about it in the past, the craftsmanship ability has been ruined by the production industry hmm. because at least that's my opinion, even, even in the, even in the, um, the, the, the areas I get to operate in, you know, flooring cabinets, whatever, it's not the same. Like it's not, it's not the same. And guys are really good at one trade and they're really good at just blowing through stuff. And if I'm not on site to help them figure out some kind of small quirk, like they just look like those cats licking ice cream where there's like, Phew! you know what I mean? Like they just completely <laughs> just like torque out. And, um, and, I, and, and it's really, it's really become, I think out of necessity to keep up with the pace and the schedule of what we've created in the production industry. It's not about, I don't want to say it's not about quality because you still need to have quality there, but it's about reputability and then um, speed and cost. Yeah, You know what I mean? As opposed to, you know, when we do cabinets, we don't finish the backside of the cabinets. 
if you go into an old house and you pull out a cabinet, the whole thing is finished all the way around and the whole thing is dovetailed and, you know, pocketed, screwed and all this kind of stuff, as opposed to dowels and glue and staples, you know, (laughs) and it's fine, but it's just, it's just a different level of craftsmanship that you don't see. And so I think because you don't have those craftsmen and those guys that, you know, you'd send a carpenter. I think we Mm -hmm. talked about this years ago. You put a carpenter out there. A carpenter could frame. He could do trim. He could do, you know what I mean? Like all build stairs. He could do all these things. Yeah. Well, now what's a carpenter on site? He does base and case and hangs doors. Like that's really kind of it. You know what I yeah. mean? And they would look at it and go, "That's not going to work. I need to do it this way." You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And to make sure it was like, because this was their signature back then, you know. And so you literally could send out nine pages for a massive building, and but you knew the guys that were doing it based off of their experience and their care and everything else. And they're their site education would do it. So it would work. Yeah. Because it was like, I built this, you know what I mean? Like that was, that was, and I, there's a lot to be said about that. Right. Yeah. Now today, I think it's, um, I, th- I think there is obviously some benefit with the way that things have shifted in that, sure. that same building where that took 10 sheets of drawings years ago, takes 90 to a hundred sheets of drawings. Uh, a lot of it being specs and calculations and all this other stuff. But I think there is, well, there definitely is a benefit in that you understand a lot more about the the science of the building and Mm -hmm. the protections of exposure to to the elements and fire, yeah, fire, earthquake, all those things are already dialed in. And um, you know that you won't have any issues uh, because of the advancements in code and all of these right. things that we're adding to the drawings are more just proof that we won't have issues with people just making assumptions in the field. Yeah. Um, so that's the biggest benefit, I would say. But at the same time, I feel that we have removed the authority from the field and 100%. and driven down the need for expertise in the field sort of artificially by leaning so much on the drawings because the drawings should be to some extent design intent still. Right. And the, the contractor, the, the, all of the trades, they should have an expertise and understanding of how to deliver something. So when they get drawings, they actually sit down and review the drawings and understand points that are going to be a problem, how to figure that out in it in advance, not necessarily just get the drawings, take a quick look and give a rough bid. And then when you get to the field, figure out everything. So I feel like if there was some way to sort of find a a sweet spot between those of where we extend more authority back to the field, I think that would be beneficial for the entire industry because you put pressure back on the people that are going to put it together to really dig into the drawings and understand what they're about to work on. Yeah. I think, I think that re- I'm going to call it responsibility. Yeah. I think that responsibility is like a pendulum. Mm-hmm. And, and I said that, I know we've done it here in the companies that I work with a couple of times where it's like the pendulum swings one way and it's like, okay, I, you guys are the experts. You know, you need to be able to make these calls and tell us what we're doing in the field, blah, blah, blah. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I'm going to say this for a couple of different reasons. Well, then they go out there and something happens and they do something that somebody doesn't like or whatever. And then it's like this whole thing. We're like, what the hell were you guys thinking? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then the pendulum at that point swings back to, we can't let these guys in the field make any decisions because they're idiots. Mm. And they don't come up with the right thing. Now, yeah. 
right? And so then it's like, okay, well, now you guys just go back to being idiots. And if we don't give you everything that's perfectly drawn that you can follow off of and read, don't think. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like this thing. And so then the pendulum swings back and the guys are like, you know, we're like, well, why can't you just figure this out? Yeah. I mean, it does this, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and the reason why I think it keeps swinging and it never stops is because both sides push, right? Because ultimately a pendulum should relax at some point, right? Yeah. And so you, you get this constant pressure from either side, depending on what happens, where I think what needs to occur is the same thing you have to do even with any associate, whether it's, you know, a, an office associate, a field associate or whatever. It's the why. It's not the how, it's the why. Why did you interpret it that way? And allow them to make a mistake. It's going to cost you money. I don't care what anybody says. Why? Yeah. In the, in the whole societal issue, I think, dude, this is, and this is society. <laughs> it's not, it's not why are you having this issue or why did you do that? It's what did you do? Yeah. You know what I mean? And at least if we could get to the why and be like, okay, I didn't think of it that way or, or it could literally, no, that was really stupid. Like it yeah. just it doesn't work that way, but <laughs> yeah. at least they can understand and you can teach and that's not happening. And or learn. Learn, learn. Yeah. That I can learn. They can learn. Either one can teach. Right. Yeah. Okay. I didn't think about that. And let's apply that properly. And that empowers that individual. Mm -hmm. So the problem is we're not empowering those individuals to go out and do that. We like to use the term. We're going to empower people, but by empowering people, what you need to be able to understand is that means you're going to give them the opportunity to go out and fail and you're going to back them up. Yeah. The problem is again with society, they don't want to do that. It's my fault. When I tell the guy, go ahead and make a decision. Yeah. But nobody wants to be like, oh, dude, it was my fault. Be like, well, I was the idiot in the field. I got to take away <laughs> all the responsibility from them now. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll handle it. You know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. But that's why it doesn't get there. And so I think what you had before was the guys that probably did the drawings way back when worked with the guys in the field consistently and had the meet. Yeah, this will work and, you know, whatever. And then they go out there and they do it together to your point, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Hey, this is why this isn't working. This is what we got to do next time. So it was like the, the, the office or the, the, the designer trusted the construction jet, right. Mm -hmm. Or the craftsman and the craftsman would give feedback back and forth to the designer and the craftsman. Right. Yeah. And so everybody was on the same page, quote unquote. So you didn't need to be like here, dummy exhibit one, a six, five, three, one, a six, five, four, one, you know what I mean? All the way down to all these kind of things like do exactly this. Yeah, I think that's the problem. And at the time, contracts were like a few sheets. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's oh, like completely different. I get scopes of work, you know, for flooring, and it's like sixty pages. And I'm like, <laughs> there's not enough information on flooring to put sixty pages together. But it's all this like lawyeristic jargon that goes before yeah. it, and you're just like, oh my dude, carpet fuzzy side up, like that's the way yeah. it works. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you yeah, just, you it just, was just a different mindset on a societal level like it's a cya said. level now you know what i mean everything's cya yeah uh the other thing i wanted to mention about the way that the complexity of our buildings is how um segmented everything is because of this complexity going into uh this project that i was recently working on there's like a kitchen designer then the architect uh, an interior designer, a uh, then you have the mechanical, electrical, plumbing, signage. You have all these different people doing all these different things. And it like nobody really wants to do all of that. But I start to wonder, like, could I take on all of that as as a individual company? Like, do you want to 
take that all on and be that vertically integrated company that just handles everything i and can you with the level of complexity that we have today i you know it's it's a great question right i'll I'll try and answer from my perspective from what we deal with yeah i can't tell you the amount of times we've had builder partners you know tell me hey i'd really like you to start this trade you know what i mean like like uh, uh uh solid surface countertops I can't tell you the amount of times in 12, 13 years that I've been dealing with, you know, clients that, you know, you guys run this so well. And then we started a cabinet company and you run this so well. It's like, you know, we really need you to do this. Yeah. Having started a second one after having <laughs> like, like, I know the complexities that go along with it and the things you have to un-F and you have to go through and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, bro, I don't want to do that. Like, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I mean, it goes back to the other thing. And then I look at like what some things cost and what they're charging, what they're getting paid for it. And I'm like, it's not worth it. You know what I mean? Like if that was my sole responsibility, fine. So I take that and I throw that into this whole thing. If you're an architect from a design person, dude, you're better off being a general contracting architect, if you will. And <laughs> yeah. just getting that input from the people that know what they're doing because the world has been so segmented now. It, it's there, there are economies of scale that way. You know what I mean? And I think, I think you're better, like almost, cause there's some guys that do like, a, I don't want to give it a shout out cause I don't necessarily agree with how, how they do it, but it's called contractors and collaboration. And okay. it's this group that brought in, you know, there's a, there's a plumbing contractor, there's an electrical contractor, there's an, maybe an architect, there's a, what, like all these other kind of things. And it's kind of like they go and they try to sell this package. Mm. to to a builder right so if you were an architect i could see you kind of doing that here's my guys i have them all do it and here's our fee and everybody gets their part right Mm -hmm. but what you're going to inevitably have is you're going to have people that don't follow along with or get along with one of those trades in that group you follow me and so it almost kind of like knifes that out but i could see if you had the right people some of that would work but then again if i know somebody that needs some drawings done i'm like call my buddy like Demetrius, right? And mm-hmm. if you're like, hey, I need flooring and cabinets, and you're like, hey, I got a guy, you know, that I trust, right? Yeah. And so I think you kind of already do that, mm-hmm. but you're not tying yourself to them contractually. You know what I mean? Because you know, as much as I trust you, and I'm sure as you trust me, you're not human if you don't have a little bit of part. That's like, God, I hope he doesn't screw me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I know you're not going to, but you're just like, yeah. who knows what you have going on in your life? You know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so I, I don't think it's worth it to do all that vertical integration with everything. You know, that's my opinion. Yeah. That's a builder. I, was, I mean, that's a builder if you think about it. Yeah. Cause I was tempted. Cause I was like looking at the other drawings. I'm like, I could do this. This is not like. Didn't you do an episode on this where it was like landscape <laughs> architecture or something? How'd that work out? <laughs> <laughs> I can do this. Well, yeah, why not? <laughs> well, certain things. <laughs> I won't dabble in landscape, but. All right, and uh, I'm gonna hear from you tomorrow. Oh, I took my first signage job. Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, all right, thank you for the conversation. Thank you to the listeners for listening, and we'll talk again next week. Thanks. Too funny. Thanks again for listening. Spaces is part of the Gable Media Network. You can check out similar content at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. If you enjoy our show, you can support us in three simple ways for free. You can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on your podcast app if it allows you to. Tell a friend and follow us on social media.
Thanks for spending time with us. Talk soon. Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host Patrick McLaney, FAIA former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise. From 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm.